And I asked one of my mentors at the time, what school should I go to and how should I follow this career path? And he said, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter what school you went to when, when you write a script and it goes across somebody's desk. It's just going to be, do they recognize your name? And is the script any good? So get to know people, make connections, be the kind of person who gets invited back into the room. Just be a good person that everyone wants to work with. This is the Penny Forward Podcast, a show about blind people building bright futures one penny at a time. I'm Liz Botner. And I'm Chris Peterson. We are blind people learning from each other what it takes to be successful in our personal, professional, and financial lives. Before we start, we'd like to thank Ron and Lisa Brooks at Accessible Avenue for sponsoring the Penny Forward Podcast. I'm sure many of us have experienced frustration and uncertainty when trying to use public transportation or paratransit services that are either inaccessible or just poorly designed for meeting our needs. Accessible Avenue works with transit agencies and other mobility providers to make transportation services accessible for everyone, including those of us who are blind or visually impaired. Accessible Avenue also works with individuals and organizations who need training or assistance with public transportation problems. You can learn more at www.accessibleavenue.net. We'd also like to thank Kane Brolin of Brolin Wealth Management for sponsoring the podcast. Investing doesn't have to be complicated, and it's never too late to take action. But depending on how far away your goals are, the decisions you need to make will be very different. Kane Brolin is a blind certified financial planner and chartered special needs consultant who may be able to help you no matter how much you have or what stage of life you are in. Learn more by visiting brolinwealth.com or by calling 574-254-7180. This is part one of a two-part interview with Bruce Horak. Bruce is originally from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, where he trained in theater and improvisation. When Bruce was a child, he lost over 90% of his vision due to retinoblastoma, a rare childhood cancer of the eye. Bruce has worked for the last 25 years as a writer, musician, composer, actor, and painter. And most of his work focuses on themes related to vision loss, perspective, and perseverance. Bruce's one-man shows, This Is Cancer, and Assassinating Thompson have been performed all over the world and won major awards. Bruce can currently be seen in Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Paramount Plus, premiering on May 5th, 2022, as the blind engineer Hammer. We're going to learn from Bruce about his life and career and what he feels is key to becoming a successful artist. Bruce, thanks for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Tell us about yourself and your blindness, if you would. Well, my name is Bruce Horak. I am legally blind. I have 9% vision. When I was about 18 months of age, I was diagnosed with bilateral retinoblastoma, which is cancer of the eyes. And it was so bad in my right eye that the eye actually had to be removed because the fear was the cancer was going to go up the optic nerve to my brain. And in my left eye, there were just three little tumors on the eye. And my doctor in Calgary, Alberta, which is where I was born and raised, he, he had seen it before in one of his classes or something. He'd actually seen this cancer, caught it right away and said, listen, they're doing this 
experimental treatment in Toronto. They're blasting these tumors with radiation. And my mom said, well, get on the phone. Let's get an appointment. And so mom packed me up and dad stayed home with the kids in Calgary. And mom flew to Toronto and they had this experimental radiation treatment done on the tumors on my left eye. And the thought was that the scar tissue would just develop and I would really just be left with some perception of light and shadow, but by a very happy accident, a small percentage of my left retina was unscarred. So I have extreme tunnel vision. It's like looking down a straw and then a cataract developed in that eye when I was about uh, four and a half or so. So right before I started kindergarten or grade one, I think I had <laughs> cataract surgery. So there I was with in elementary school with Coke bottle bifocal glasses and went to a regular school through elementary school. I really just tried to keep up, you know, I had three older brothers who didn't really let me get away with anything. So uh, I just tried to fit into the pack as best I could. And as I get older, uh, I certainly notice much more sensitivity to light. Like if I walk from a bright room into a less bright room, it doesn't have to be a dark room, just a small enough shift in the light and it'll just completely wash out my vision. A lot of floaters, a lot of flashers and all that fun stuff. So it's basically like uh, being high without having to take any drugs. Wait, can you say that? Can I say that? I did say that. I just said that. You can edit that part. So that's my blindness. We'll continue our interview in a moment, but first... Does your production need something complicated? For example, do you want to fill up Lake Michigan with hot chocolate, top it off with whipped cream, and a maraschino cherry, all to the cheering of 25,000 extras? If so, Superblink has got you covered. If your needs aren't so complicated, Superblink has also got you covered. Visit www.superblank.org to learn more. Is there something you'd like to talk about? Visit pennyforward.com slash podcast to learn how you can contact us and send us a voicemail that we may share on the air. Tell us about your life and career. Well, I um, was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta. I saw my very first professional play when I was in grade three. There is a theater company in Calgary called Quest Theater, and they would tour to all of the schools. So one day they, you know, got us out of our classroom and we went down to the school gym and it had been transformed into a theater. And these actors came out, they had a set, they had music and sound and just everything. And they came out and performed in our gym and I was just blown away. And at the end of the show, there was questions and answers and they gave us all these little pencils with the name of the show on it, Zeke and the Indoor Plants. And I kept that thing for years and I thought, you know, from that time on, I, I wanted to write, I wanted to act, I wanted to do theater. And then all the way through high school, I wrote and I got interested in writing plays. And I joined a playwriting group when I was in high school and took theater. My dad was a drama teacher. He was also a, a writer and an English teacher. I've got, as I said, I've got three older brothers who are all very heavily uh, into the arts. So the path was very clear to me. It was either going to be theater, music, or art. And um, by the time I got to the end of grade 12, I decided the theater was going to be my path. So the year after high school, I worked at a theater company in Calgary called Alberta Theater Projects as a junior apprentice. For 75 bucks a week, I got to do absolutely everything from answering phones in the office to running posters all over downtown Calgary to 
sitting in the rehearsal hall and taking notes and watching uh, play rehearsals. And it was one of the most transformative years of my life. I just thought, this is the world that I want to immerse myself in as much as possible. And I asked one of my mentors at the time, what school should I go to and how should I follow this career path? And he said, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter what school you went to. When, when you write a script and it goes across somebody's desk, it's just going to be, do they recognize your name? And is the script any good? So get to know people, make connections, be the kind of person who gets invited back into the room. Just be a good person that everyone wants to work with. So be jovial, bring your best self into your work if you can. And uh, took that advice to heart. I, I went to um, Mount Royal College in Calgary, which was a two-year theater program which directly fed into Shakespeare in the Park, which was in Calgary, this an outdoor theater, summer theater program, and primarily students, but they would bring in professional actors and directors, as they also did at Mount Royal College at the time. And the people that I met the year at Alberta Theater Projects and my two years at Mount Royal College and my years afterwards working at Shakespeare in the Park are people that I still work with to this day. You know, really, it's it's about making connections and just being the kind of person who gets invited back into the room. And after college, I did a few years with Shakespeare in the Park in the summer times. And in the winter times, I would work with Quest Theatre, which was that theatre company that came to my school when I was in grade three. I met the man who started the company and I think, believe he directed that show, uh, Duval Lang, when I was at Mount Royal. And he and I hit it off and I told him I want to write plays and I want to write plays for kids. So he invited me to write some stuff for Quest Theatre, which I did, and toured absolutely every small town gymnasium in Alberta <laughs> for about three years. Hundreds of shows all over the province in the back of a van with a couple of other actors and a stage manager and toured all over the province, getting up at 7.30 in the morning and unloading a set into a gym and setting it up and performing for you know, 150, 200 kids and then answering some questions, strike the set, get in the van, go for lunch, go to the next school, do another show, go to the hotel. And that was kind of the touring lifestyle for a couple of years, which was wonderful. I mean, I think some of the best training that an actor can get is trying to hold the attention of 200 kids from kindergarten to grade six. <laughs> I mean, boy, they're sure honest. And if they don't like it, they will unabashedly tell you. But if they love it, there's no better reaction. I mean, there, it's, yeah, it's just wonderful. We'll continue our interview in a moment. But first. When it comes to money, do you feel a little lost? When you're in an unfamiliar financial environment and need a hand understanding the lay of the land, Penny Forward is here to help. Our online courses, member-only group chats, and access to one-on-one -on -one coaching help you to build your own bright future one penny at a time. It's easy to sign up or cancel at any time, and memberships are just $9 a month or $99 a year. Visit pennyforward.com slash membership to join us today. Is there something you'd like to talk about? We'd love to hear from you. Visit pennyforward.com slash podcast to learn how to contact us or to leave us a voicemail that we may share on air. You spent a lot of time creating and performing your own work. And I'd like to hear a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I started writing, well, just really back in like grade three, grade four. I think I wrote my first movie in grade six, which was called Revenge of the Furry Eyeballs. Don't look for it. It's not even on VHS. But yeah, I got out of high school. I, I started writing. I wrote 
for Shakespeare in the Park. I wrote a family show for them. And in 2001, I met up with uh, Ryan Gladstone out of Vancouver. Now he was in Calgary and we started touring on the Fringe Festival circuit, which is uh, a theater festival that travels from Montreal, Canada, all the way to Victoria, it goes city to city, and you spend two weeks in each city. And it's like a traveling circus, really. It's just these acts from all over the world, and you go from one city to another all through the summer. I think it, it almost spanned about four months. And you just take your show on the road. And we, Ryan and I and, and our friend Aaron and his brother Jeff and various and sundry others under the name Monster Theater out of Vancouver, we toured. And they continue to tour to this day. And every year we would write a new show and we would put it in the van and take it across the country. And it was an incredible way to meet people, to gain audiences, to try out your new work. And Ryan and I really worked that stuff for a long game. So the first show that he and I wrote together was called The Canada Show, which is the complete history of Canada in one hour. And that show toured for, and I think was presented for almost 15 years, maybe even longer. And uh, that was really when I got further in the bug of touring and writing and creating specifically more streamlined shows that were easy to put into a suitcase. So in 2006, I wrote a one-person show called This is Cancer, which is, again, semi-autobiographical. I, I tell my own story, but I tell it from the perspective of cancer. And uh, cancer in this particular show is egotistical, arrogant jerk who believes that humanity is in love with him because humans are, they run for cancer and they raise money for cancer. And there's cancer, this cancer, that and he Googles himself and he says, Oh, cancer has got more hits than Jesus. And he's wearing this head to toe gold lemme speed skating outfit. And, and he makes drinks for the audience and he sings songs. And it's a real kind of a Buffon piece, except that cancer just loves people and being the son of Aphrodite and Aries and being immortal himself. So Ares, the god of war, and Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And so Cancer immediately falls in love with people. But because he's Cancer, they get sick and die. And of course, halfway through the show, the audience are given the opportunity to tell Cancer what they really think of him. And inevitably, somebody tells him to go hang himself, essentially. So Cancer has a big hissy fit, and he goes and gets his black book of all the famous people that he's, that he's quote unquote, loved. And, you know, he goes through and there's Sammy Davis Jr. and all these other people. And he finds in that black book, he finds Carl Horak, who was my father, who passed away of cancer in 2003. And uh, so cancer tells the story of Carl Horak and how Carl had this baby named Bruce. And Bruce had these beautiful eyes and cancer fell in love with his eyes. We sort of go down the autobiography in the last third of the play or so. And the lesson that cancer learns from this baby's mother because my dad, when he found out that I had cancer, he went to his doctor and my dad only had one eye and the doctor said, we need to find out how you lost your eye. And so my dad went and found his medical records and discovered that when he was a baby, when Carl was a baby, he had retinoblastoma. His parents hadn't told him that. They told him that he was just sick. And then my dad also found out that retinoblastoma is genetic and that he passed it on to me. It was devastated my dad. He had no idea. And he almost took his own life and in that grief and in the turmoil of realizing that he'd passed on this genetic form of cancer to his son he said oh i, I should never have gotten married and i should never have 
had kids and my mom said, well, look what you would have missed. Look what you would have missed if you hadn't have had this experience. So the lesson of that show is one of hope and is one of appreciation. And this is a really major theme, I think, in a lot of the work that I've done since This Is Cancer is creating work that inspires some hope and inspires some appreciation because I think it's essential to getting through. That's all the time we have for today, but tune in again in just two weeks to hear the conclusion of our interview with Bruce Horak, where we will hear about what Bruce is currently working on and what it was like to step onto the bridge of the Enterprise in his role as Hemmer on the new Paramount Plus original series, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, premiering on May 5th, 2022. Is there something you'd like to talk about? Visit pennyforward.com slash podcast to learn how you can contact us and send us a voicemail that we may share on the air. And while you're there, please leave a small donation to support our work to develop accessible and affordable financial education products for people who are blind. The Penny Forward podcast is produced by Liz Botner and Chris Peterson. Audio editing and post-production is provided by Byron Lee and transcription is provided by Anne Burdine. Music was composed and performed by Andre Louis, and web hosting is provided by Taylor's Accessibility Services. Penny Forward is a community of blind people building bright futures one penny at a time. Visit pennyforward.com to learn more about who we are and what we do. For all of us in the Penny Forward community, I'm Chris Peterson. And I'm Liz Botner. Thanks for listening and have a great week.